Since we last spoke to Johannes Leroux, founder of the alcohol-free drinks company The Duchess, it has received investment from Rand Merchant Bank as well as ABNBF's corporate venture capital arm ZX Venture. During this time, the Duchess also expanded its range. It now includes alcohol-free wine spritzes. The Duchess is now available in seven countries, including South Africa, the Netherlands, Belgium, Australia and the UK. In this episode, Johannes shares how he ended up in New York, pitching his business to the ABNBF board, including the all-powerful chairman, Carlos Brito. Let's welcome Johannes Leroux to the show. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Drinks World. Welcome to the show and today our guest is Johannes Leroux from the Duchess and we've spoken to you before Johannes but it's been nearly I guess nearly four or five years since you started this whole Duchess uh, journey. Hi uh, Helga it's great to be back on the show yeah it's about five years ago I think um, you helped us set up our initial distribution <laughs> from scratch. We didn't know who to speak to, and you you were our first consultant. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, I wish I'd get more calls like that, because that really, really fills my bucket, hey? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, uh, well, it worked well, and we're still working with quite a few of the the, uh, the original partners you set us up with, oh, so okay. it was it was worth it. Yeah, one of the guys that I introduced you to, to was um, Rob Haynes from Yuppie Chef in those days. Remember that? Yes. Um, yes, I remember. And and when I last looked, I think Yuppie Chef was doing really well for you. Is that still the case? Um, yeah, we did. Um, we did do very well. I think uh, at the start, especially when you're launching a new brand and you don't have the availability across your your key accounts. Uh, but we had a we had a lot of demand in that first year. I think uh, at one point we were the number one, one selling product on Yappy Chef. We sold over a thousand cases one night. <laughs> uh, so that is that is crazy. We're not doing that anymore because uh, now you can find find the Duchess um, almost anywhere. But uh, Yappy Chef is still a great client of ours, and uh, yeah, I, uh, we we still love working with them. We did a campaign with them. Um, a while back where you could win a with our spritzes that we launched uh, where you could win a smeg fridge and that did very well oh, i can imagine that's right up the alley isn't it yes exactly <laughs> yeah so let's let's just for for people that don't know your story you started um, way back with with uh, with your first brand was branas which you launched as a as the first craft um Brandy in South Africa. Um, yeah, brandy and Coke on tap. Yeah, and that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's still going. I'm that like I've um, we ended up selling that business to our number one uh, client. Okay. That I think they 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 sold that that sold over a million drafts of Branas over the years. <laughs> and when we when we decided. Uh, we're going to focus uh, more on our new ventures. We we went straight to them. Uh, the guys from the Green now uh, now own the uh, Branas Draft brand, and they're doing amazing stuff with it. Oh, that's that's such a good uh, good idea to sell it to your biggest client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then you started this wonderful journey of uh, with uh, with the Duchess, and it's it's really been 
spectacular what you've done with it and how you came up with it. And um, I want to encourage our listeners to go back and maybe listen to the first episode we did. Um, but yeah, just maybe tell us a little bit about the early days, how you started and how you came mm. up with the ideas. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, yeah, back in 2016, um, I uh, was looking for a for a new uh, new venture. Uh, KWV came on board with with Branas. Um, so I decided it's time for for a brand that I can. The idea was something that can scale globally, so something that can go bigger than South Africa. And um, I went to visit a friend of mine in the Netherlands, um, really looking to find what's new in alcohol, right? Like, because I was just coming out of this alcohol business, uh, found it really fun. I was I was still young. I was, um, I think I was 25 years old, uh, 26 years old. And uh, yeah, basically went to, to Amsterdam to, to do surveys with people in bars and restaurants and, and obviously, uh, yeah, tried to, to come up with the next big thing. And yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, the more people I spoke to them about alcohol, the more people were saying, listen, I'm actually trying to cut back on alcohol. I'm reducing my alcohol intake. And uh, one of the other big trends uh, at that time, and it was the same in South Africa, I'd seen it is this boom in, in gin, gin and tonic. So, um, I mean, in South Africa, the amount of craft gin distilleries at that time was, was incredible. So I came back uh, with the idea of, sort of joining these two trends together um, and say, well, I've never seen anything like it, but let's launch the world's first um, alcohol-free gin and tonic. Um, and yeah, I didn't quite realize the the demand for a product like that. And um, this was before, you know, Heineken 0.0. This was before there was anything like an alcohol-free drinks category. And um, yeah, I think we, uh, we were one of the, pioneers at that time um but that's it it's still early days for all coffee drinks and uh, there's still a lot of people that i meet on a daily basis that say they've never heard of the duchess or they've never heard of an all coffee gin tonic and that's a, of course a big opportunity for us yeah it's a, uh, mass, still ma- in the future. a massive opportunity and and that was all before lockdown so people didn't even know what the word lockdown meant in those days <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And but before we get to lockdown, a lot of exciting things happened. And uh, I remember briefly, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun now, but you told me that you had to fly to New York. Um, yes. Is that kind of the order in which things happened? This thing exploded, and uh, next thing you were yeah. you were catching a plane to New York. Yeah, we there was a few steps in between. So we yeah, so the first year, first year that uh, went very uh, well for the Dutchess. I think we sold just over a million units in that first year. So the first year has been yeah, it's probably the best growth um, I've seen in a in a in a beverage product. But yeah. Um, yeah, as things grow and things things do get more complicated, but especially with uh, international launches. So we started getting quite a lot of interest from. Um, from international markets, including mm. Australia, the UK, the Netherlands, and Belgium, um, and yeah, we started launching these markets. So uh, we we currently sell the Duchess uh, through uh, Dan Murphy's and BWS in in Australia, through Albert Hein and uh, Yumbo in the um, in the Netherlands, and then Del Hayes and 
in in Belgium, and then we're also available on Amazon in the UK. So that we kind of built that uh, international market um, space. Um, it's almost like launching a new business in every every it's market. Good. So it'd be, it was quite a quite a, a big step. But um, yeah, we started seeing traction, and um, I was actually. Um, uh, on holiday, my my wife had a conference in New York, and uh, she bought me a ticket to to join her for um, for Valentine's Day. Actually, so I <laughs> I just said, okay, great, I'm let me I'm going to New York. And uh, one of my friends, uh, he's also a shareholder in the Duchess, Stefan. He always said, if you go to New York, just go there with a plan. If you go to New York and you don't have like a vision or something to do there, they, the people will literally walk over you. So, so it was, it was, so I kind of used the, I went a bit earlier while she was doing her conference and I said, let's, let's, let's go speak to some people in, in New York about this product, the Duchess, and um, ended up getting an introduction to uh, ZX Ventures, uh, that's the, the innovation and growth arm of AB InBev. Um, they were still quite early stage at that time as well. I think they were about uh, three years old. So um, I met up with with um, um, yeah one of the their beverage fund managers, and yeah we kind of hit it off. Um, after that, um, they invited me to to come back and to pitch to. Um, uh, they're head of non-alcoholic drinks, which they, they had just actually. Um, uh, employed because before that, obviously, um, ABM was very focused on on um, on beer specifically, but they're in the process of rebranding as a beverage company, and um, yeah, they they obviously had heard quite a bit of this alcohol-free drinks category, and uh, yeah, they were excited to to partner with the Duchess. I, the one more thing at, at the end, uh, they even uh, gave me an opportunity to pitch directly to uh, the CEO of ABM at that time called. Um, his name's Carlos Brito, mm. and I think that was really like a, a career highlight. <laughs> I um, imagine. It was like, well, I also like almost shut my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, the number one sort of beverage CEO in the world and his top seven like presidents, each from like uh, from each zone, and I, I get to do a twenty-minute presentation, and they, they're sitting there at eleven o'clock in the morning drinking all gin and tonic. So it was yeah, it was quite a quite an experience. But yeah, they ended up investing uh, or backing the Duchess, and uh, yeah, it's been a really great journey with them as strategic partners since then. And uh, so, what what does it mean if they if they back you? Obviously, they've set up. In this venture fund, um, ZX, ZX Ventures, to obviously explore new, new opportunities for for the beer company. But um, what does it mean if they back you? So I, I think there are two sides to it. One, of course, um, is capital. So we were at a point where um, we um, we were growing quite fast, and as a growing business, you you require, especially in beverage business, and I'm sure your clients that own beverage companies or sorry your listeners that have beverage company knows the amount of capital you need to run a beverage company so that's something that um, that uh, that we needed and that um, they invested capital in the business but as sort of beverage specialists um, ZX uh, almost all of uh, ZX actually come from ABI so 
They all have years of experience in working, launching brands. Um, they've got in depth, uh, like understanding of almost every um, market in the world, beverage market in the world. And of course, they're quite strong, they're like South Africa, extremely strong with uh, their acquisition of the SAB. So, so yeah, they become a strategic partner through consultancy and um um, they've got a, a basically got like a seat on our board, so we we can ask them and we we strategize with them and work with them. And then um, as we grow, the idea is to start integrating into their sales and distribution, which we've um, also done so, uh, recently started doing in South South Africa. Okay, I see. I saw during lockdown that there was a co-packing with uh, Castle Zero or Castle Free, yes. what, whatever it's called. Um, was that one of those things where you could where you could leverage this relationship? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we um, we have access to um, as as sort of partners of uh, part of the the portfolio or the same family, like they call uh, say at ABI. There, um, we were able to um, negotiate that collaboration with the brand manager of Castle Free, and yeah, that's exactly the type of. Um, strategic advantages that uh, that we've received and um, yeah and into the future I mean as the business grows uh, ZX Ventures is um, uh, set up to fully integrate the business um, in, 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 the, in the future so that's also part of the, the, the sort of journey that we that we walk with them yeah it sounds a little bit like sharks tank shark tank except that you um, I don't always believe what I see on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is definitely like fundraising is is. Uh, I don't know what's crazier, uh, Shark Tank or the actual fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> and like, especially during especially during a pandemic, I can tell you that. Like, I uh, I generally come across a little bit better face to face. Yeah. Uh, then I, I I like I'm I'm a tall guy, so I make a good first impression. But um, like over Zoom, none of none of that works for me in my favor. So it's, it's yeah, it was quite. It's been quite a process pitching over Zoom instead of flying to New York to go pitch in person. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we've we've managed to we've managed to get through it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's quite a roller coaster. I think we're we were definitely lucky that we were able to operate during the lockdowns, but. Yeah, it still came with quite a lot of uh, uncertainties. Yeah. So this this kind of fundraising does it mean that they you locked into the system, or do you still have to go out and look for other funding as well? So uh, they become a partner. So um, they become a partner as part of our business, and um, uh, every fundraising round, um, the partners have. Uh, uh, the option to to follow their rights and uh, mm. and yeah basically uh, continue to to support the company, but we're also um, able to go to external parties to find different different sort of strategic advantages. So okay. that's where that's where sort of our latest round with RMB came in. We said we've got a great strategic partner. We're the founders, the sort of passionate. Um, driven team and what we're looking for is also a strategic uh, financial partner that we can leverage um, um, into the future so I think yeah we've got now got almost a trifecta which is uh, from partnerships perspective I don't think we can we could have done any better but um, 
yeah, it's uh, so so we're set up now for for the next phase. Okay, measure when you could actually integrate into the ABNBF stable. Um, so there are uh, benchmarks. Yeah. Um, so it would generally be revenue benchmarks and stuff. I can't go into too much detail, but yeah, it would be uh, revenue benchmarks, but also other proof points, uh, signals of quality and things like that. So we'll, um, yeah, we're, we're working with them to, to find the best structure as a, as a, a potential um, trade uh, investor, but also as investors in the current business. Yeah. So that's what I think is really great about um them having a ZX and an ABI is the ZX becomes a um, they're a venture capital uh, capital uh, firm, so they become a partner and they they really look at what's the best for the business as an investment from ZX side and not just what's the best for um, for ABI. Okay. Okay. Oh. And I mean, obviously, your beverage business is cash flow negative. The faster you grow and the bigger you grow, the less money. You- or capital or more capital you need um and um and i'm sure you you're an expert at that but um so has the growth has, has the growth been consistent you say you your your best year was your first year how i mean these are these no so- no i think our, our fastest growth so obviously we've been uh, we have been growing year on year every year 2021 was um was our biggest year um, because as we open up new markets, we we do um, open up new new opportunities, um, and then yeah, of course um, that that I think that alcohol ban at the end of 2020, start of 2021, um, really helped. Yeah. So are you mainstream in all the all the supermarkets accept and understand the the non-alcoholic category much better after after the alcohol bans? I assume. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, we we do have quite a lot of um, work ahead of us because we were when we launched um, the Duchess, it was seen as a, a liquor product, so some, something that you would see in a liquor store. Where um, with the where with the um, the alcohol bans, obviously the liquor stores were closed, and now um, the, the the biggest sort of section or the the future of alcohol-free drinks really does uh, look like it'll be more on the grocer side. So now we're building relationships to uh, to either move over our product or to actually live in both liquor and uh, the grocer side. Um, I once heard, um, I think it was the local um, CEO of ABNBF say. If they invest in a category, it's good for the industry. It's not. It's not a threat. And I think it was when they launched a vice beer. They said to the other vice beer brewers, "We'll grow the market, and and that'll be good for for everyone." Um, and I assume it's the same when when Heineken and ABNB have launched their non-alcoholic beers, and and people like Savannah, it must have grown the market. Or um, yeah. what was your experience? No, it has definitely grown the market and just um, I think the awareness around alcohol-free drinks. Like I said, when we launched back in 2016, I don't think there was a category. We we, we were part of the uh, – we, we started printing alcohol-free drinks category um, – um, things that we would go put into stores uh, because they were the, they, they were a little bit behind on that. But now, I mean, almost every almost every store has an alcohol-free uh, drinks category. And South Africa, I must tell you, is actually one of the most advanced 
um, um, in, in, in retail uh, in that um, sector. The, some of the other countries are still struggling a bit. Uh, to, to, they don't know where exactly to position it. And some of them have alcohol-free drinks, but they'll be next to the, the actual beers and the, the wines. They won't have it their own category. So that does complicate things. But um, yeah, as the category grows and as more entrants um, come into the market, it does uh, consolidate. And yeah, I think there, there is truth in that. But um, I must say that uh, it has already become a lot more competitive. Mm. Um, so I think it's, uh, especially if you start looking at it from pricing, a pricing point of view. So um, obviously the bigger entrants are able to price uh, the products much lower. Um, so yeah, from from that perspective, um, we do still need to compete, and we've got a yeah, we've got a we're working on a, a few plans. I think our biggest focus for for this year is um, is to get our uh, our cost down. Um, it's one of the we've recently interviewed 750 of our clients, and the the biggest um, feedback we received was well, number one, that people really do like the product and they like the taste, and <laughs> they, they they see a future in it. But number two, if we were able to price it slightly lower, they'd be able to buy it more often, which just makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a big focus for us. Okay, and that that does make sense. Um, and the overseas markets, if they if they need any help with growing their non-alcoholic category, we can send Mrs. Zuma and uh, the command council to them for a few months, and <laughs> that'll sort them out. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, that uh, yeah, that was it was an interesting time, like I said, because on the one side you've got all of a sudden you've got uh, you have got a sales surge. Um, because people, the, the, the retailers are looking for, for alternatives to alcohol. But um, on the other hand, there's also a lot of unsurety about when are you able to fundraise again. And like you say, the, the more you have to produce, the more pressure there is on your cash flow. But uh, yeah, I think um, it's almost like if you made it through the pandemic to this point, everyone that's made it through uh, as, a, as, a, as a small business or early stage business under five years should like give themselves a big clap of hands <laughs> because it hasn't been it hasn't been easy for anyone and yeah no it's uh it's been quiet but it looks like things are, are definitely calming down a bit so that's that's good yeah so what is what has been the biggest challenge um since since joining the zx um group has there has there been any anything that that they required from you that you wouldn't have thought of yourself mm. i wouldn't really say that uh, there's been a, a increased challenge um in a way so what's also great about it is that we're we still have the controlling stake and we control okay. the business and control the uh the brand and um yeah they 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 come on board as uh, as a su support structure, so um, yeah, I think there, there's been more challenges with regards to uh, the category and competition and mm. just um, just um, all out sort of confusion during the pandemic than there's necessarily been with any of our partners. Okay. Um, I, I've actually been able to give us a little, uh, some good perspective and context. Mm. So what I mean, what what it looked like to me initially, there were just uh, so many new non-alcoholic brands, and I obviously didn't get a chance to try all of them. 
um, that launched. And you think, I mean, from Savannah to Hunters and uh, many, many more, um, it, it just seemed like it was too good to be true for the non-alcoholic category, you know, that that people can, mm. that you can make a product overnight. But I guess that's that's a special skill of a, of a big company. They can actually... Um, they probably can't can't move as fast as you can, but they can. You know, they've got the resources and the skills to to come up with new product ideas. Yeah, exactly. And and I think sometimes um, uh, very likely they'd been working on these projects before lockdown, uh, but uh, just uh, obviously realized realized they need to speed it up yeah. uh, when they when they had focus. But um, yeah, it's uh, the the. Catch twenty two of the alcohol free category at the moment is it's far super fast growing, but in total it's actually still very small. Okay. So so I think that's why yeah, that's why um you you only really saw them pop up during lockdown because it was like a hedge, right, for against um lockdown but um in total it'll still take a while for the category to grow and there's a lot of uh, education and um awareness that, that needs to happen and um yeah i think it's really about um understanding where how, how the consumers are going to think about alcohol free drinks in the future you know because what's interesting about alcohol free drinks for me personally is that um Obviously, people that drink alcohol-free versions of alcoholic drinks are alcohol drinkers, yeah. right? So they, they, because they, if you're drinking a non-alcoholic gin and tonic or non-alcoholic wine or beer, you probably like the taste or have drank the alcoholic version of it. So, so I think in the future there'll be, um, there'll be. So it's great to have that choice, and I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's why we're seeing a lot of, um, it's. Uh, a lot of alcoholic brands like Savannah, Heineken, and Castle doing well with their non-alcoholic counterparts because you're giving choice to your customer. And then, um, yeah, but I think beyond that, I think there'll be a whole new generation of drinkers that just never drink alcohol. And the, the flavors um, and the, the sort of functional blends and whatever it'll be, will be just completely sort of beyond alcohol uh, and probably have no reference to alcohol. Um, so the alcohol-free category um, will be more like a, yeah, like an adult non-alcoholic category in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I see it with, with the youngsters now. I mean, a lot of them don't even, you know, they've never had alcohol when they get out of school, which wasn't the case. <laughs> when we were young, so they no. don't. You're right. It's 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 a different path altogether. And what is it? Is that the trend overseas? Yeah, you you see. So with the fastest growing, I think um, the biggest segment or of um, non-alcohol drinkers are your Gen Z. So like your uh, your youngest group, and I, I I think we could expect that trend to continue. Mm. Um, I mean the. The same reason people are cutting down on alcohol is the same reason um, youngsters just decide never to start drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. People have become uh, much more conscious about the negative effects of alcohol. I mean, like we used to laugh at our bubbleheads, but now you realize, okay, actually, maybe a bubbleheads means that this thing is making me sick, or it's like it's it's not good for my health, or at least I shouldn't be drinking too much of it. And um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of. 
yeah, I think it's the modern life is is um, uh, crazy enough as it is, for, and the youngsters just decide it's not worth um, worth drinking too much. On top of that, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of uh, it's very competitive. You need to do well, um, and uh, yeah, drinking like this whole. I said I spoke at the. Um, UK soft drink conference uh, a while ago to when we still had conferences and I had this whole thing of like when I grew up it was like the whole thing was uh, party hard work hard but I think like that's completely uh, doesn't it, number one doesn't make sense I don't know who can party hard and then work hard and then the <laughs> other one <laughs> and I think like the new generation just kind of saw right through that and uh, yeah they're opting for completely different type of drinks I mean you get like this boom of um of seltzers in the US, you get boom of functional uh, drinks, active ingredients. Um, you get like brands like Liquid Death, which I think is a brilliant sort of beyond alcohol, alcohol-free drink, which is literally just sparkling water, water in a can, but it's branded like like a beer. Yeah. It looks like a beer. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah, they they just built they built that brand in three years to five hundred million dollar turnover. Uh, not turnover um, valuation. That's incredible. It is, eh? So it's all about perception, and uh, you know, you don't you don't want to be seen as. Yeah, they basically they made they made yeah they made water cool. Mm. Yeah. And the the whole uh, non-alcoholic spirits category have you what what have you seen in that category? Has that worked? I'm I'm very much in two minds. I didn't think that it was gonna. Um, as far as it has, um, I think I think there are there are some great brands out there that are doing well, and I think um, I, I I know friends of mine and family of mine that love it. You know, they they buy a bottle of um, abstinence or Seedlip, and um, yeah, they they actually enjoy mixing that with whatever tonic they like. And I think that plays into that whole concept of choice, and mm. you can kind of it's more flexible. Um, I, for one, always thought it's just a little bit too much um, work for people to now create alcohol-free cocktails at home, and I would much rather offer somebody a ready-to-drink version of that. And you'll see, you'll see that most of the alcohol, uh, the, the 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 spirit, alcohol-free spirits, are now also launching ready-to-drink versions. Um, so I think I think that's interesting. Um, I think what um, what say like a liars or something is doing mm. uh, i'm still to i'm still to be proven it's still to be proven for me i think they, they're obviously growing uh, extremely fast and um, they are raising a lot of capital um and yeah i'm 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 actually interested to see how that all turns out um but yeah i don't think the duchess will be launching an alcohol free spirit anytime soon yeah what what trends have you identified that um, are you, that you're keeping an eye on? So I do like uh, with the launch of the um, the wine spritzes. I do like alcohol-free wine. Mm. I think um, it's a much bigger category, and I don't think a lot of I don't think it's being done very well uh, in the past. So I think. Um, it's it shouldn't really be seen as alcohol-free wine that you should be doing, but I'm I'm more interested in in wine alternatives, and I think that's um, 
we do have a great product on the market uh, with the wine spritzer. Uh, we just need to get our distribution up and and get our um, uh, awareness up because people <laughs> obviously identify the Duchess as an alcohol-free gin tonic. Uh, we've done very well with branding it like that. Now we need to tell people we've also got a wine spritzer. <laughs> but um, so I think uh, so. Yeah, go try the wine spritzer. Um, and then yeah, other opportunities. Um, at the moment, we're we're very much focused on on going deeper in our, in in the market and really trying to understand our our customer better and trying to offer them a better service and not necessarily um, like just new product development okay. all the time. But um, yeah, like I said, we're focusing on our pack sizes, um, on our packaging, um, and getting the price down so we can yeah that we can basically open up the Duchess to a, a bigger audience. Um, by making it more more sort of affordable. Yeah, have you have you kept up? Uh, have you had an have you had a look at um, something uh, different pack sizes or or cans for that matter? Or does that not? Yeah, fit? so so we're very so we're we're looking into cans at this stage. So I think um, I think cans are are very much the the future um just even from a sustainability perspective um uh, not just the actual can that is 100 recyclable but also um saving on weight for shipments and um a bigger focus on dtc um cans just really make sense for the future um so we we yeah we're currently looking into cans quite seriously but um um, yeah, it's it's the, 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 the multiple multiple options. Okay, what what really uh, blew my mind was when that Castle Light launched in in that I think it was a four forty mil can. So instead of the, mm. um, it was a slim can um, or a smart can. Uh, they all, they got all these different um, names or terms for them, but it it's, it it looked really sexy to me, and I thought that you know that would have been something that could have fitted your brand. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, we've got some sure. We, Innes is obviously like incredible designer, so you did some mock-ups of cans, and I almost like them more than the bottles. <laughs> so they, yeah, no, they're really sexy. And yeah, slim slim cans or. I definitely think it'll it'll work well, and um, yeah, there's a lot of advantages. I I personally buy a lot of can, rather buy uh, cans uh, at the moment too because it like chills very quickly. Like you don't have a problem with like the cap coming loose or anything. So yeah, yeah I think I think uh, there's 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 been quite a lot of sort of I I don't think the South African market was ready for cans. And they also never printed the cans so beautifully. Now I think technology and everything came came right at the same time, and realizing the sustainability that what they're more focused on sustainability. And I think yeah, um, and we're able to actually reduce the reduce the price because of that as yeah. well. Because um, you don't need a, a a bottle with three labels and a cap. You just have one can that's printed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I had a interview with uh, the guys from Tiny Keg this week, and uh, although the the craft me- craft beer market is much smaller than they anticipated, but uh, it's certainly a lot more vibrant and exciting than than in a bottle. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, uh, I think they're they're very well positioned. I think they've just opened up their uh, like a. 
a bigger facility with a bigger canning line, right? So yeah. I think that's that's a good move. Yeah. Johannes, you were involved in the launch of a CBD water called Dope. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, we Dope was actually um, uh, developed uh, by the Duchess um, originally. Okay. So it is, uh, yeah. So it's a product that um, really, like like I said earlier, I think the future of uh, alcohol-free drinks might uh, like is this sort of beyond alcohol concept. Yeah. Um, and the new generation won't necessarily if they never drank beer or gin and tonic or wine, why would they now opt for a non-alcoholic wine or beer? Um, so we said, okay, well, the new generation would like something completely different. Um, and we came, like, part of going to New York the whole time, I saw this trend in CBD drinks. And, um, yeah, we, um, in collaboration with um, um, my co-founder, uh, Andrew Davenport, in in Dobe, we launched that product, Um in 2019, I think like two months before lockdown, <laughs> it was mm. also like quite an interesting time to launch a new brand. But um, yeah, I think uh, Dope is definitely on a on a good trajectory. You've got good partners now. Um, we were able to externalize it from from the Duchess for a bunch of reasons. But now, yeah, I think now the two the two. What's nice is I it, like there's a lot of learnings from from the one to the other one. So it's constantly uh, it, it gives you quite a bit of perspective looking at it from both sides the whole time. Okay, uh, Johannes, the I saw, I saw that that during lockdown or the liquor lockdown, you tried to do a whole lot of activations and direct to consumer um, campaigns. How hard is that, or yeah. how successful were those? Well, especially with um, what we were doing with uh, dope at that time, because it it was it was such a uh, it was so early in the in the launch of dope that we hadn't had time to to get like a lot of listings. In. Mm. So um, so obviously with the Duchess we had listings and we were able to move our stock from the liquor to the grocer. So Duchess was was doing really well, but dope hadn't gotten any listings and there were no sales reps allowed in stores and no tastings or anything. Mm. So we had to be innovative with how we um how we get to get to our customers and um yeah we launched with a, a text your dealer campaign a big billboard in uh, the center of cape town that just said text your dealer with an uh, image of the dope can and, and a number and then there was a chat bot on on um whatsapp that you could place an order directly on whatsapp and have it delivered to your door but uh that took about two to three days for a delivery um so we said well that's still a little bit too long we want to we the future is like this instant delivery and yeah i think it was quite innovative though dope was the first um sort of retail or brand to launch um on uber eats okay so we created a um like a digital corner store um, on Uber Eats. So you could, um, if you were in the, inside uh, Cape Town, we've, we had multiple multiple points. Like if you're anywhere in Cape Town, you could um, go onto our Uber Eats store or just go directly from, from Instagram to Uber Eats and have cold dope delivered to your door within 15 minutes. Wow. So that's quite a, quite a cool concept. And if you think about it, Uber takes 20% margin which a lot of people say is a lot, but if you go look at what the retailers take and distributors take, it's actually, uh, uh, and you can, it's instant 
it's instant delivery. It's actually a really great model. The only thing you're limited to like that, what, five to seven kilometer radius. Yeah, and, and obviously you have to create the demand, which um, um, could be a challenge. Yeah, but with digital media these days, I think uh, there's a there is a lot of opportunity yeah. with that. I think, like, did uh, so if you're looking at um, instant delivery, um, what's happening in Europe and the US, I think we we're gonna see some of those brands like Gorillas or GoPuff and these guys launching all over the world soon. But uh, yeah, I mean. Well, what we've got uh, in South Africa, which is amazing, is 60-60, of course. But yeah, Gorillas and, and um, GoPuff, you can order any grocery item, any liquor product, any beverage, and it's delivered within within 30 minutes to your door. So uh, it's going to be the the, the the retail landscape is going to is going to change quite quite drastically. Um, I mean, just the amount of people ordering through take a lot now nowadays. Beverages and take a lot never used to be a thing. Um, but post pandemic, I think take a lot is one of our top sellers. At yeah. yeah, and uh, I think Spa is also launching the the online delivery now. I don't know if it's too late. Uh, Pick and Pay has obviously done this. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where it's heading, and it it kind of gives you different opportunities to launch because we, even without building a big infrastructure, you can just or a big a dealer network, you can launch new products if you know what you're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, there is uh, they can give. Obviously, I think they could. Um, with take a lot for instance anybody has the opportunity to reach any customer in south africa you don't need to wait for a listing with um with a major retailer or whatever so if you've got something that people want and you can speak to your client base they can they can order it and yeah take a lot literally delivers anywhere in south africa yeah. uh for cheaper than i think yeah anyone can, can do it um yeah the we're seeing more and more actually um, take a lot um, as a potential distributor to um, to clients, so to um, on-consumption clients uh, all around the country because, I mean, you can just courier directly to them instead of having this sort of three-phase distribution system, just either get it directly to a client or directly to, to a restaurant. Um, and um, yeah, so that's it's all like it's all positive. I think in the end, it's all positive for brand owners and for uh, customers, and um, and because it gives the retailers less um, less of a monopoly, I suppose, on on the whole on the whole system. Thank you, Johannes. Just lastly, so what are you focusing on for the rest of the year? And we're keen to. Um, get really involved with our customers this year we're keen to uh, speak more directly with our customers sell, sell more directly to our customers and um, yeah and I think um, uh, and really to see how far we can take this uh, alcohol free drinks category and um, yeah just continue building yeah my my personality is always asking what if what if and um, the one thing I want to ask is what about bitter I love product development. I love brand development, but sometimes what the business needs is, is just yeah volume and growth. And <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's also you can also innov innovate within that space. So yeah. so I think yeah we want to 
grow our consumer base in South Africa, really win in South Africa in the all coffee category. Janis, thanks very much. It's exciting and uh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that boardroom in New York. Um, and w very well done to you and your team. Um, just as a reminder, where can people find you online? Um, you can go to www.drinktodatches.com um, or you could uh, buy di directly on Take-A-Lot. Um, and yeah, thank you very much, Olga. That's how the world has changed. Just go to Take-A-Lot and buy it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's easier. <laughs>